0: Hey, we are back. This is Mr. Fox. This is the I Refuse podcast. Um, It's great to be back, but I'm also intensely frustrated. Um, You know, with the latest cycle of news that's been coming out in a social way um, on the social level. um, You know, we had the the incident in Central Park. Where the woman, there was a white woman, we'll call her another Karen, uh, was walking around with an unleashed dog, and the black man confronted her. Um, and her response, which tends to be the same script that white women tend to do or have been doing for a while, when they've been um, confronted or... Asked nicely to facilitate a change in their behavior. She claims, she says to the man that, um, I will call the cops and tell them that you are threatening me or you are harming me. Um, All while she's being videotaped. And, you know, leading up to that situation... You know, the lady was in the park with a dog that turned out not to be hers. Um, she had a leash in her hand, but the dog was in the park without being on the leash. Um, at some point during the conversation, she she drags the dog by the um, scruff of its neck. As she's walking towards the man and threatening to call the cops and tell the cops that he is harming her, um, what is what's very frustrating and infuriating as a person of color is that people you know we, we went from you know being followed around the store to uh this innate assumption or implication that whenever we go into a store that we're going to steal or we're going to stick up the place or um, even even after we put the merchandise on the counter to alleviate the confrontation. Um, for whatever reason, there sometimes is another escalation that involves Um, that results in death. Um, I look at this situation and, um, thank God we've gotten into this habit of video recording lately. You know, know, after years and years of seeing a lot of unarmed black men, black women, um, teenagers, um even those that are reg- have registered weapons, have a, re- uh, a carry-to-conceal kind of uh, paperwork, um, right to con- carry, um, and they still end up dead, there's very rarely um, footage that brings it all together. There's, um, which leaves a lot... To the imagination and leaves a lot of room for perception um, connotations, which are ultimately negative. Uh, for example, when Mike Brown, Michael Brown, um, ended up dead, and the the white police officer that killed him got got off completely, um, no liability, no culpability. On a legal level, um, that week, probably the week or two leading up to that, there was this connotation or this this perception that A, Michael Brown deserved it, which he didn't, and B... um, there were these alleged um phone calls that came out or nine one one calls from the store owner where he where they said that Michael Brown allegedly went to, um, claiming that there was this teenager in his store, uh, trying to steal cigarettes and when he confronted him, um, it became an issue and that I guess is what snowballed into the police officer I guess accosting someone that resembled the person in the video um, and that person that was accosted was Michael Brown um, besides the fact that the police officer never got out of his car because he claimed that Michael, there was a tussle Or confrontation. Physical um, confrontation. Where Mike Brown was. The police officer claimed that Mike Brown was in. The window of his cruiser. And there was a physical tussle there. Even still. How did he end up. Face down. In the middle of the street. Killed or whatever. Um, But. A lot of. A lot of the spin that people pick up on is in the media Um, they showed the footage they showed some footage of uh, a black guy in a convenience store um, and some kind of confrontation with the store clerk the only video was from the angle facing from the camera facing the door And it was dark, couldn't see his face. What you could see was that he had a hat on, he had on shoes, and um, he had a considerable amount of unkept hair. When you see Michael Brown's uh, dead body in the middle of the street, he has a haircut, he has on socks, and he has on flip-flops. And he's lying down. There's no way to, to know height and size comparison and stuff. But what I remember personally there was um I, w- I had a white roommate, and he was of the mindset of well, they shouldn't be resisting they um you know that kids shouldn't have stole the cigarettes from the from the convenience store and he was dead set in his conviction um a lot of respect for him for that but no matter how you cut it people shouldn't be dead over cigarettes a broken taillight um, being followed um, in the dark um, by strangers Um, there is no inconceivable rhyme or reason for that to be the outcome at all times especially when A, you have police they're supposed to serve and protect and haven't been military police before there is a green level a yellow level and a red level um the red level being deadly force um that's where all that is the last resort after all other avenues have been exercised Um, what people are missing is that a lot of these people are going straight to the red level from a routine traffic stop um, over a broken taillight over a person running um, and it's not just from cops it's from plainclothes people Um, so I was bringing up that example to to kind of get into, I guess, the perception of reality that some people have. And I think the perception of reality that people have is a reflection of where they were brought up or how they were brought up. Um, I mean, my I myself, having lived in suburban areas... In urban areas, have gone to school with, in a very, in, growing up in very integrated schools, very integrated school systems, um, classrooms. Every class, there were different types of people, different perspectives, different, different ways of life, and different views, and not once that I can recall, was there ever a a confrontation or, you know, it's, it's, it kind of sounds like it's white picket fence, um, but we weren't far removed from, you know, danger or anything, um, but it's definitely that kind of environment, I, I guess, inspired my perspective and my view of the world, like, There is absolutely no reason for division. And there's absolutely no reason for intolerance. If. Especially when we're all. In the same. I guess. Race in life. Looking for the same outcome. Um, I still kind of hold on to that naivete. um, But I'm very much a realist. Um, When I looked at the footage of the conversation between this uh this white lady and this black guy, um, it brings to mind the reality of the past six or seven years. This uh immediate need to resort to overreaction and a faux sense of fear um from a conversation that you started um, for whatever reason. And it's not just towards black men, like, it's towards uh, black children. I remember a couple of years ago, this um, this mother and her son, and I think she also had a daughter with her at the time, we're in a convenience store, and there was this white woman at the counter um, who thought it was a good idea for whatever reason to claim that this... Um, seven or eight year old boy was sexually harassing her grabbing her butt making her feel unsafe and everything which was a total lie um because the boy was with his mother in her line of sight near her it was nowhere near the white woman but in the footage outside the store the woman was aggressively making a situation Um, threatening to call the cops and get him arrested and blah, 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 blah. What people need to understand is that as a person of color, there is a lot of um, dangers and a lot of uh, harm done to our mental health and to our confidence and to the um our emotional and spiritual state when people go to those go to those um go to those extremes to um to threaten police threaten death or not even threaten death, just go ahead and do it um how you know, a group of us see that, and on a regular basis, every year, every month, um, and it makes us fearful. And it's like, at some point, we we grow to have this innate fear of police, of authorities, of you no, know, even people white people that move into our neighborhoods, like we could be the complete polar opposite of the stereotype that society puts in people's brains and people that parents put into their kids' brains about black people that we are uneducated, we are shiftless, we are lazy, we will never amount to anything, um All levels and all kinds of rhetoric that instill that that kind of fear or that kind of animosity towards people of color that they do not know. They've never met. There's no context or reason behind the provocation of the antagonism, the antagonistic attitudes and behaviors and languaging towards people of color. And you could be the complete opposite of that. For example, you go through grade school on time, you go through middle school on time, graduate from high school on time, you go into the military, serve your country, discharge honorably, never never been to jail, never smoked uh any dangerous drugs, never did any cocaine, never sold drugs. The, the most you've ever done is probably had a car accident that wasn't even your fault. You go to college, not once, not twice, but three times. Graduate with a double bachelor's, graduate with a master's, going to college full-time or working full-time basically doing it for yourself. Yet still, there's always this reminder. There's there's something that, that happens. There is an attitude of behavior that's not being addressed um, in people's fear of you. Um, yet there's this this stroking of the paintbrush and this picture that's being painted of you. Of how, you know, that implies that you're a problem, you're a threat, and you must be neutralized. And it's very, it's very infuriating and frustrating. Um, because, you know, you're aware of the odds that are against you each step of the way in your life. And you you jump every single one, and you jump higher, and you defy people's expectations along the way, um, and you show who you are all this time, yet the moment a few people quote unquote say something, people do a whole 360 on you. Um, and they, and they claim, you know, the same people that weren't even in detailed, detailed with what they were approached with, um, but the best they can do is police, they think the, the response is to police and control and neutralize who you are and gaslight you. say well you know look at yourself and it's like well wait a minute it's 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 the cycles if they can't harm you physically they harm you mentally and emotionally and then they just go on about their life and they think that's the best solution um and it's one of those things that it it happens all the time and it doesn't, ha- and it shouldn't have to. Um, you know, it's, you know, you look at the, the Central Park situation, you look at um, Ahmaud Arbery, and it's like, it's so exhausting. It's so exhausting. Um, people try any kind of tactic to to paint a picture that didn't exist um you know in that particular story that particular case the two people that murdered him in cold blood claimed that there were calls or uh, situations of home burglaries which they never were um a rash of burglaries which there never were and that they they claimed that he looked like a person in question now imagine like you're in the 21st century and yet and still you have people in these pockets of communities that take it back to the wild wild west and um Go out in their pickup truck or go out in their their car, wielding shotguns, and um, do do the dirty work themselves. I mean, the man was just out on a run, like he was doing, he was exercising, Um, and aside from those two people. That gunned him down. You know, you have a third person that recorded it. And sat on the on the recording. And it got leaked. Or oh, leaked. Um, but yeah, the man that recorded it got on the news and probably thought... and Or tried to portray himself as just a bystander that just happened to be there. And... Um, but that's not how the law works. I mean, if you record something, a murder, you don't turn it in. You're just sculpable. Um, but yeah, like, it goes in cycles where it's like you can't go to Walmart and look at guns. You can't go on, you know, a daily exercise run. And it's... It's the kind of thing that... W- you look at you look at what's happening, and you i know for me, I look at myself and I'm like, "Are people that intimidated by the melatonin um, that you you can't exercise logic and common sense and do the rational adult thing um, but it's not. It's not about us. It's not on us. You know, we have no choice in the color of our skin. Um, however, people do have a choice of the attitudes and the behaviors that they have towards people of color. Um, I, as far back as I can remember, I was probably about. Nine or ten nine or ten. I remember the first uh first thing I saw of uh police brutality against people of a person of color was the Rodney King beating. I was glued to the that Magnavox uh television tube television with the two knobs, UHF and VHF. I was like what in the world is this? And they played that that clip out that whole month. Um, I was like, what the hell is this? It was like five to seven, maybe eight or nine police officers on this one black person just beating him repeatedly with their batons. Now, I... There wasn't much life, I had experienced up until that point, but I just was stunned. I remember that, like usually when I watch TV, I, like, it it doesn't take me a while to process, but that took me a while to process. Um, and of course, the adults in the room were hooting and howling, like "Oh my god!" blah 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 blah. Um, but yeah, I was like looking at the TV, and I was just like. What the hell is this? Um, Never known a news organization or channel to just play something that real and real the damn day. But yeah, like, leading, I mean, I I watched that and then I guess I kind of saw, you know, the things play out in the trial. But it's always um, the media front and center to portray this perception that a black man is dangerous, therefore he deserved this. Um he shouldn't have resisted, therefore, with like little to no details or you know knowledge of the details um of what occurred leading up to that. Um Because you see him, what you see in the video is you see him like trying to get up and trying to crawl in the other direction while getting blow after blow after blow. Um, The pattern that remains consistent even from then to now is that you always find... A black person in a helpless position. Handcuffed. Seated. Handcuffed or seated. Um, Handcuffed. Laying flat on the ground. Face down. Um, Hands up. arms above their head doing as they're told I actually saw a video of a man laying on the ground trying to talk one of his mental health patients through um, I guess a police standoff Um, and he was shot in days while his hands were up but yeah, like you, you think of you know Rodney King, Latasha Harlins, um, Mike Brown, Sandra Bland, Tamir Rice, um, Trayvon Martin, and it's like, and you think of the the man in Minneapolis, uh, the 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 civil rights attorney who was handcuffed, face down, and the police officer had his his own knee on the man's neck for nine minutes. And during the course of those nine minutes, the man kept saying repeatedly that he can't breathe. But the man, the police officer, never let up. Um, and, it's, and it's sickening and frustrating because... You already, the, the reoccurring theme and the reoccurring pattern is that you already have this person in the helpless position. You have people retreating or pleading with you, and you're shooting them in the back as they're running because they're scared um, either of jail or, of well, at this point, of death. Um no as the the kid that was on Facebook live about a month or so ago um and on he was on Facebook live, i guess during the course of a police chase he the the video the Facebook live kept going. Well, after he got shot up, and the cops came over, and the cops knew they fucked up because one of them had his face covered with the legal pad, and they said something to the effect of, "You know, we're it's going to be a closed casket for sure, or something." Um, but yeah, like you, you think of this kind of stuff, and it's like the reality, the new reality is. We're not running because we're scared of jail. We're running because we're scared of dying. Um, No, it's still uh, a reality that uh, the cops will shoot first and then ask questions later. Um, No, you think of Armando Diallo and Sean White. Um, You know, in the 90s and the 2000s, you know, the excuse was, oh, I thought he had a gun. Um, I believe both cases were out of New York City. You know, thought he had a gun. Shooting, shoot, 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 like 41 shots, 19 of them caught, caught him. Forty-one shots from four police officers. Um, That's not even reasonable on any level, and they got off. But when did it become okay? And how did we get here? I, you know, we we did the, uh, the peaceful peaceful protesting and we we did all the rallying we did the million man march trying to shift the narrative and put some some beacon of light and some positivity and reinforce respect for the common man and for our children and our wives and stuff um and they're still out here playing target practice with us, they are still using their white privilege and their, um, their advantages of the perception of their white skin to their advantage. And it's unsettling. It's like, are you you not feeling well today um and they're bold i mean this lady that was in central park i mean she she probably wasn't betting on twitter finding her linkedin profile and getting her ass fired but we do the work um don't don't try to play us i mean i'm sure she she's seen other stories Where that was the outcome. Um, Racism is not acceptable. um, No matter at what age you are. Um, But unfortunately, what people do, especially under the current administration, is believe that that is okay and that is America and that the rest of us will just have to learn to accept it. Um, but it's not okay. And it's even more dangerous when those other white people that claim to be inclusive and claim to be allies to people of color, I mean, it's implied when you claim you're inclusive. Even though the reality, you know, of their outings and the people that they're friends with, you don't see anybody that looks like us over there. You know, going to the farmer's market or going to the brunches or going to the pumpkin patches. Um, Any kind of local outing. You don't see anybody that looks like us with them. Um, They still are quiet or they enable and facilitate and um, take on those divisive attitudes And those perceptions and implications that comes with a person of color. To forcibly remove that person of color from the space. Um, And any opportunity that they could learn from that person of color what the experience is. And what bias looks like. And how dangerous and problematic it is to have those attitudes towards people of color. And they brush you off. And they're adamant and defensive and they don't care. It's like you're just digging your your hole deeper. But, you know, that's why, you know, when you have dark skin and you have the beautiful brown, beautiful light brown beautiful dark, dark brown all shades of beautiful melatonin in your skin you have to keep your head up, stay empowered keep your logic and your common sense close and everything you know about yourself and everything that you believe and your power and never let up. Never let up off of your points. Never let up off of your convictions. Never let up of which you know the truth to be. And stay very true to who you are. Even if everybody else shifts and changes to trends and shifts and changes to hearsay and shifts and changes their loyalties and their character to what's in now and throwing out and doing away with what's out, what, you know, is quote-unquote the problem or what they think the problem is. Um, No racism and prejudice and um, white privilege is not going to show up all the time in white hoods and burning crosses, and it's not going to be as explicit or in your face as the N word. It's um going to be nuanced. It's going to be so under the radar that other white people who also happen to be their friends will pick up on. Um, unfortunately, in these times there are those of us out there that have to educate people and enlighten those people of the harm and the danger that their friends are doing to people of color. Even if you think they don't want to hear it, even if they attempt to change the subject, even if they attempt to jump down your throat, um, even if they attempt to do, you know, this tit-for-tat with you um, about what they heard or, you know, the the schoolyard high school mean girl bullshit that people do you must never let up until you're hurt because to be inclusive means you embrace everything not just the the look that it gives to the those on the outside or the the presentation or the appearance that it that it gives people a false sense of, oh well, you know, there are a few people over there that look like me. That's inviting. Could be a trap. Um, it it does take a lot of energy. I and mean, then it's exhausting to to be a black person in the world, um, it's even because it's of the, the shit we have to put up with, or the shit that we are exposed to. Um, you know, there are some times where I'm just like, I want to cut some motherfucker out. I want to like slap the shit out of somebody right now, and I have to bite my tongue. And then add to that a layer being a bisexual person in the community, add to that a layer of dealing with the perception and the bigotry Um, just by having black skin. Anybody can say anything to somebody else. It's coming from them though, the person with the problem. Not from me. Not from the person of color. You should be addressing them. So it it's it's like exhausting to have to deal with the negative the negativity or the negative approaches you know, people don't know how to don't know how to to handle it and it shows because they often handle it incorrectly Um, and this this is a, a fucking cycle for me and other people of color in the community um And that's probably a larger reason why you don't see a lot of people that look like me in those spaces. So, I went to a whole thing and I uncovered some some past traumas and some old scabs. It's it's exhausting, man, and it doesn't, it shouldn't have to be. You know, you see, you know, people say that they are when they really aren't. Um, that's why I always am not phased by talk. Um... I'm more interested in the walk now, that's more obvious, that's more telling than people think, and that's more telling than people um, are ready to admit to. But the the core of what a, a person is, the soul of what a person is, comes out in their reactions and their responses to things. That's a fact that never changes. Um, And I believe we've got to, well, they've got to do better. We have to remain resilient, albeit as exhausting as hell. Never lose your manners and never lose your decency. Um, But... you should never have to compromise who you are and what you are just for somebody else to be comfortable. Um you should never cut yourself down to bite pieces to little bite sized pieces to be more digestible for uh for, to other people. Stay whole and let them bitches choke. Um So on that note, this has been another episode of I Refuse Podcast. Um, This is Mr. Fox, and I will catch you next time.